Can you tell that story? <laughs> when I grow in there, the I story you're hearing right like, now uh, is one of my favorite stories in the whole world. Twelve years. It's a silly memory my mother when has make, of living uh, in South Sudan. Food in the morning. I make it, and and chicken man coming. What they call that? Chicken man. Yeah, the little the. Oh, a uh, rooster. Yeah, rooster. <laughs> Can you delete it? <laughs> it's okay. I'll. I'll I edit won't it. delete that because uh, it's super cute. When the rooster coming, and then they kick my food, and they <laughs> they put it to 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 mud. In this story, my mom is making food for her family, and a rooster, or as my mother mistakenly put it, a chicken man, came and knocked over a big pot of food that she had been cooking. And then I, I, I try to beat up them. <laughs> I'm running, I'm running for them until I'm tired. I don't catch them. My mother, in her 12-year-old rage, began chasing the rooster to punish it for ruining hours of work she had just put into making this big meal for her family. Peta, don't at me. She was 12, and the rooster got away. Also, pretty annoying thing that the rooster did, but uh, not going to get into the politics of this right now. And then more of them coming to eat that, because he planned to, 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 to put it on, and then some more of them coming to eat that <laughs> one. And when I know I'm loser, I'm crying, <laughs> because the family going to blame me why you let them to do that. Then that is bad time for me. Sometime, when I know they come, I use a stick, and then I hear them out for a stick, and I'm still work to to cook food. That is my. Uh, In case you miss any of that, that, my mother chased the rooster that knocked over the food she had just made, and turned around only to find a menacing group of chickens eating at the spilt pot of food that she had just worked so hard to make. Defeated, she sat down and came to the conclusion that she was just a big loser as she watched the chickens peck at the food that she had just spent so much time on. For as long as I can remember, I've had to do exactly what you just heard, which is translate English to English. And I'd be lying to you if I said I have never resented being put in that position. It happens at banks. Hello, my mother would like to open a new savings account. On telephone calls. I am calling on behalf of my mother. She would not like to continue her services with you. At church. My mother was not here last weekend because she was feeling sick. On the street. Hello, sorry to bother you but can you give us some directions? Everywhere. You name it. And I don't think it's completely unreasonable for me to feel this way. It really does get tiresome, feeling more like Google Translate than a person. And while that resentment and fatigue exists on a level that I don't feel I need to fault myself for, I do think that my resentment has often been misdirected, at my mom specifically. Not for lack of trying, my mother isn't always seen by the public as the person I know her to be. In fact, in public, I can tell She's often seen as shy, submissive, helpless, and sadly, lacking in potential. Sometimes I suspect she's not really seen as much of a person at all. I've never had a difficult time recognizing this, and to be honest, it hasn't always bothered me. I think that's because, well, 
because my mom and I are completely different people purely because of the countries we grew up in. And as a result, I've fortified a distance between us that is easiest explained by our differences rather than our similarities. For example, I speak perfect English. My, my mother, mother does, does not. not. I am highly educated. My mother, my mother is, is not. not. I am and have always been free to choose. My, my mother, mother has, has not had the same luxury. luxury. I am powerful. She is not. is not. I am, I am, I am. She's not. She's not. She's not. She's, She's, not. Not. She's not. And what I've started to notice is that the differences we have were not only differences, but also ways for me to distance myself from what I understood African people to be for a very long time, which is poor, uneducated, helpless, sad, hungry. These are the narratives that have shaped what I understood my mother to be, and for so much of my life, I've worked really hard not to be put in those categories. And I think my shame for the undeniable connection I have to the struggle of South Sudanese people in particular and the struggle of my mother comes from this relentless and always spinning, revolving door of narratives, which tell the story of African women through a lens tainted by tragedy. It's always one tragedy. It's row upon row of abandoned children and no After one After another tragedy. So many people. After another tragedy. Cannot feed themselves here. And another. And they were killed largely with machetes. And another. And another. And This was in the capital of And another. For the last ten days. And another. Protests have erupted. And another. Go to an orphanage and fall in love with a child and then take them home. And I've always found this system really overwhelming. So much so that sometimes I feel like the only thing I can realistically do is disengage, create distance, and just watch the revolving door keep spinning and spinning and spinning. And that process of disengagement has heavily affected my relationship with my mother, my understanding of self, and the way I see humanity in an overwhelmingly negative and contained way. Instead of seeing people behind the struggle, I see only the struggle. I see a history of poverty. I see a history of sexual abuse and violence. I see the amalgamation of racist laws, political and biased rhetoric, wars and famines. And while it's true that these things demand to take up space in any story, I think it's also unfair. Because stories like these, from what I'm learning, are constantly evolving and are anything but straight and narrow. But those complexities are not often discussed. I mean, right now, as I'm writing this, I can't think of any mainstream depiction of an African woman that gives her the room to really just be a person who laughs, who regrets, who makes mistakes, who exists as a human. It's all just so dark. 
And I know I've contributed to that. And if I have any regrets about this podcast, it's that I really don't know if my project will do enough to show you that my mother and her life is complex and changing and exists within light as much as it does in darkness. And I know it's difficult to capture all of that, but I also know it's possible to tell the stories of women who laugh at themselves, who don't take themselves too seriously, who identify as much as mothers as they do as individuals, who chase chickens and miss their countries and feel sad and happy at the same time. My long-winded point is that my mother is not just her trauma. And I know that because I humbled myself, eradicated my shame, and finally listened to her. And I sat down and gave her the chance to express herself the way she wanted to. I valued her voice, and in the process of doing that, I learned about her, and I learned about me. I learned that I want to visit South Sudan one day, and that I can have pride in my heritage. I learned that my mom is really funny, and she's very strong, and she's very tired. I learned that the world is so deeply unfair, and we are all responsible for making it better, but we don't have to do it all alone. I learned that stories are endlessly important and endlessly valuable, but you know what? Don't take my word for it. Listen here. Hey, what's up, Ben? Hi, Ben and Ben's mom. Hi there, internet people. I just wanted to thank you for opening up and sharing your story. And I just quickly want to say that I love the Daughter Podcast. Uh, My mother immigrated to Canada from Peru when she was 18. And growing up, I always assumed she had had challenges. But the Daughter Podcast really opened my eyes to just how many challenges she might have had. Um, I have the opportunity of working in an elementary school in an area that has a lot of different cultures. And some of the children I work with are from South Sudan. And... Um, I don't know much about their history. I know that they haven't had easy lives. Um, But you sharing your story has helped me understand what their lives may have been like for their parents as they came to Canada. Um, And I just, it helps me feel more compassionate toward these people and understand the things that they may have gone through if they had been through similar things that you have. And it helps me understand what they they came from, from a country that was in turmoil, and um, it's just amazing to see what you've done and what you've done for your children. Um, Listening to your mother's story has just been um, such an, honestly, an emotional experience for me at times to listen and um, finally have some insight into life as an immigrant or a person of color um, or a woman or a single mother in this country. Um, You know, I've always tried to be an empathetic person, um, but listening to your mother's story, I think, has helped teach me even more empathy. Um, You know, I'm never going to understand 100% of what it's like to be a refugee, to be an immigrant, to be a mother, but I think, Ben, you've done such a good job in telling your mom's story that maybe it helps me understand 1% or or half a percent. And even if that's all it is, I'm so, so thankful for that. So thankful for the opportunity to um, put myself in someone else's shoes, to hear someone else's experience. And um, 
it's really a blessing in being able to listen to a podcast and just by listening at the end of it feel like I'm a better person feel a little more hopeful feel a little more empathetic feel a little more loving Um, it's such a blessing in this time in this age I think those are things that we need love and empathy and sharing our stories so thank you Ben my uh, grandmother recently passed away but a few weeks ago um, we were at home and I was talking to her and she was telling me stories about her childhood and um, because I had been listening to your podcast I thought that I should um, record her so I took out my phone and I recorded her and um, now she's gone, but I still have uh, this wonderful recording of her telling some stories that I'll be able to share with my family and with my children in the future. And I don't think I would have thought of that if I hadn't been listening to Daughter. So I want to thank you so much. Oh my gosh, where do I even begin? When I started listening to Daughter, I was so inspired by your story and I wanted to learn more about my mother and the things that she experienced and the choices she made that allowed me the life that I have today. And although circumstances are very different, it was eye-opening to me. And when I started doing this, I didn't realize that uh, the time I had with my mom would be cut short. She was diagnosed with cancer at the end of March and passed away at the end of April. And uh, the, the memories I have from, from talking with her uh, will be moments that I'll cherish forever. And that is such a precious gift that um, came about because of daughter. So thank you for that gift. Daughter is a very special podcast that I hold dear to my heart because Banget Quilt is not only trying to explore um, the untold story of her mother but she is also indirectly telling the story of many Sudanese mothers who have gone through similar um, struggles Um, and I love that it is a story that is trying to combine two different worlds together Van Gutkut's um, life in Canada and her mother's life back in Africa and up to this point. I am so moved by your, the message that you are spreading. I look forward to the future episodes. So, Ban, uh, you're not allowed to stop, okay? Okay, cool. Those were the voices of Spencer, Jocelyn, Stephanie, Juan, Kara, and Debal, all of whom sent those recordings to me for the first release of Daughter, and their words still mean so much to me and us now. My mother is a woman silenced as a result of almost every part of the identity she holds. Her voice has never been uplifted or valued, and I'm really glad that finally she's been heard, and that finally she's felt valued and safe enough to share her story with me and with all of you. Nowhere In my imagination, could I have conjured up the thought that so many people all over the world would simply listen? But our work here is not done, because listening won't change and won't stop what happened to her from happening to others. It's up to you and me to take her story and apply it to the decisions we make and the actions we take. From the voting booth, to the language you use about immigrants, to the people you choose to uplift and support, 
I hope that as you've listened to the last of my mother's public storytelling, you'll take with you the understanding that stories are not just a collection of words and recycled experiences. They are powerful, necessary, and moving agents of change. I've lived all my life at a distance that separated me geographically and culturally from South Sudan, and by extension, from my mother. And I shudder at the thought that if my mother didn't share with me the story of her in my car that one afternoon, I would have never shortened and understood that distance the way I do now. I would have continued living my life ignoring and feeling ashamed of my African heritage, ignoring the meaning of my blackness as I see it today, ignoring the ongoing history of my mother and its effects on my life, ignoring the very ideas, stories, realities, and influences that make me, me. And it's shocking to me that the only reason that distance existed for so long was because for so many reasons and so many pressures, my mother didn't feel her story mattered and I didn't care enough to ask. Which seems ridiculous because this story has changed every part of my life. It has changed the entire way I understand and define myself. And the lessons I've learned from this story have been the greatest lessons of my life thus far. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me. And thank you for listening to Daughter, a podcast about the untold story of my mother, who also happens to have been a child bride, a refugee, a prison escapee, a student, a single mother, a friend, a not-so-new-anymore newcomer who is no longer afraid of elevators and is, quite frankly, my everything. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for a preview of the next season. Before we get into the next turn of events, I need to thank those of you who have supported this work. That includes Debal, Caitlin, Deborah, and another Caitlin. Your support has allowed me to use software like Adobe Audition, which makes it possible for me to do all sorts of tricks and neat things in order to tell this story more clearly, more artistically, and honestly, a lot cooler. A special shout out to Daughter's latest supporter, Saya, who literally made it possible for the next season to exist and covered the entire cost of domain fees for the next year. Thank you so much, Saya. This takes a huge weight off of my back. My next goal is to be able to afford music, like really good music for the show. So if you're listening, please consider supporting like Debal, Caitlin, Deborah, another Caitlin, and Saya have through my Patreon account. With each episode uploaded, you can contribute any amount you want. $1, $2, $3, and even $1, which I know is not how money and economy and math works, but you understand the point. Your support goes a long way, and it is so sincerely appreciated. If you simply can't afford it, trust me, I understand. I too live paycheck to paycheck, and I support my family, so I really get it. If you've enjoyed the show, though, I encourage you to share it with someone you know. If you don't know anyone, and you live in your bedroom most of the time, that is A-OK too, there is no judgment here. You can also just leave a review on whatever podcast app you are listening on right now. That also goes a long way. Music you heard in the show is linked in the show notes of this episode. And as always, thank you, Marissa, who has graciously offered to do the illustrations you see on my website and on my Instagram account. Marissa is a talented fitness goddess who can make a mean protein ball, is a beautiful bullet journaler, 
and someone who I enjoy dancing in the middle of the street with. Follow her at by Marissa on Instagram and Art by Mare on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Here's a quick listen into the next season. Checking, checking. One, two, three. Three, two, one. Un, deux, trois. Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, seven, no. Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, huit, no. Sept, okay. <laughs> uh, dear Nybel and T, we've been through a lot together. Nybel, I remember the time you flicked a booger at me from across our bedroom and having it land right in the middle of my forehead. I also remember having no choice but to teach you the definition of justice immediately thereafter by chasing you through the small hallways of our tiny home and shoving my half-eaten banana onto your face. That said, somewhere on the internet, I, I just know that someone has used a banana as a natural face mask of sorts, which probably explains your incredible skin... So I may have to exact justice some other way in the future. Anyway, you and I have shared rooms and beds, meals and stories. We've stolen each other's things. We've fought. We've laughed. We've grown together. T, I've held you in my arms, changed your dirty diapers, and watched you grow before my eyes. I still remember when you came back from the hospital. I remember your fluffy and incredibly soft hair, your cute nose and your toothless smile. You are my sisters, and I am so grateful for that. Boogers, diapers, and all. By now, you've heard the story of our mother. By now, you'll have understood that we have in our hands a weight of responsibility that is at all times heavy and at all times circling us. That responsibility is invisible, as most people don't see it, but also tangible in that it dictates the way we spend our money, if or when we go to school, how we speak with people, and how we speak with one another. By now you'll understand that your place in this world as black first-generation women is defined just as much by the past of our ancestors as it is the future we create for ourselves. We are in a unique position. We are caregivers. We are workers. Students activists, breadwinners, daughters, and maybe one day wives and mothers. It's unfair, but that is our reality. But we are also in a more unique position than most because we, more so than most, I would argue, have no idea what we're doing. At least I don't. I mean, today I ate three brownies for breakfast and I slept in until two. I also have no regrets about either of those things, but I feel like I should... Anyway, I suppose that's neither here nor there. Because our mother was forced into a life of uncertainty and instability, she is learning just as we are. Most times, we're even forced to teach. But teaching, when you've never been taught, is really hard. There are things we don't know about the world, things that are specifically designed to make our lives more difficult, and a lot of that is completely out of our control. But I think at the very least, it's important that we are aware of it. I think it's important that we learn. So know that this project and the things you'll hear here are all for you. It's a field guide 
my Declassified Life Survival Guide. Here, you will learn about things that nobody but us or people like us will have questions about. Here, I will try to demystify certain things for you, help you understand what it means to be us, and hopefully give you the tools that I don't feel I ever received without learning difficult lessons and taking my future into my own hands. Here, I'll be as frank as I can about finances, about education, hair, politics, and what I've learned about what it means to be a Canadian as I see it. Here, you will have the permission to exist just as you are, unapologetically, curious, angry, sad, glad, and whatever other emotions you're bound to feel. You're not alone. And that's why this project exists. I love you both dearly, and I hope this helps.